0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 4th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. It's all over but the counting, despite what the president claimed early this morning. Yet it appears, as of this recording, very, very close. So what might the fight look like over the presidency if it ends up in court? Cato's Ilya Shapiro comments. I've seen a lot of uh, the media reports about President Trump in particular making claims about Pennsylvania and other places saying that if there's any problem there, if there's any uh, issue with uh, ballots not being counted properly, they'll send in the lawyers. And this was presented, I think, as uh, at least by the media outlets as a threat. And I thought, wait, don't they always send in the lawyers? (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's exactly it. I mean, ever since uh, at least 2000 with the uh, Bush v. Gore, the disputed Florida count, uh, there have been uh, lawyers on standby, lawyers in war rooms. Um, yes, yeah, send in the lawyers indeed. Uh, and it looks like there are going to be a couple of states that are close enough and that, that matter that uh lawyers will be involved uh, at least once recounts are done and, and things like that not clear yet what kinds of arguments they're going to make um, but uh, unless uh, we go beyond what lawyers call the margin of litigation uh, then this might this election might go uh, past this week
0: now uh, uh, late last night uh, the president said something to the effect of we're going to the Supreme Court like immediately taking it up to 11. Uh, whole, is is there any basis uh, on which uh, he would do that at this point? I mean, we're recording this late in the morning on Wednesday.
1: Well, you 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 don't go straight to the Supreme Court. I mean, maybe ahead of the election to have an immediate uh, ruling, and that was attempted in various skirmishes. Uh, famously, the Supreme Court generally. Left in place, whatever orders state supreme courts uh, allowed, like in Pennsylvania with the uh, extended ballot receipt deadline, and uh, doesn't have to be postmarked. That could be an issue if Pennsylvania again is being litigated as the deciding state. Uh, that could be litigated in a, in a full blown case before the Supreme Court eventually, not like this week or next week, but eventually. And in other states, uh, you would go to the relevant uh, state. Uh, court or a federal district court to argue your theory of state or federal law. Already a couple of lawsuits have been filed in Pennsylvania, uh, again, about uh, under state law that that, uh, election officials uh, reached out to voters who uh, mailed in defective ballots to cure them. That apparently goes against state law. So we will see these kinds of skirmishes, uh, maybe in Nevada, if that gets close still, uh, maybe in Michigan, which is on a razor edge right now, um, depending again on uh, the particular facts on the ground in a particular case. But certainly these states that seem to be shifting from a narrow Trump lead on election night to what, after everything's counted, might uh, become a, a Biden win, uh, as a lot of people were expecting, uh, then this indeed won't be final on, until the, uh, the final gavel comes down. At what point does this become a federal issue? I mean, states are the ones who govern their elections. Right. Uh, Two different scenarios. One, uh, which was what happened in Bush v. Gore, an equal protection claim. That is, a state is counting or allowing uh, uh, counting of ballots uh, under different standards in different parts of the state or or election officials are doing things differently. And so voters are being disenfranchised in part of the state. There the Supreme Court might step in. Uh, Or if the state legislatures are being so disrespected by state uh, courts that that's a violation of due process or, again, equal protection under the federal constitution. That's certainly going to be the claim in Pennsylvania with these uh, ballots that the the state Supreme Court uh, is allowing uh, to be counted without postmarks and uh, later than the deadline established by the state legislature.
0: The scenario that I imagine is 269-268-1, the one vote is a rogue elector. The rogue elector chooses Jeb Bush. The House compromises. Jeb wins.
1: Right. Because we we all see that map with Jeb exclaiming and then the whole map is colored yellow and, and, and he wins. Right. Um, well, look, 269, 269 is no longer possible because uh, Biden won uh, the Nebraska Second Congressional District, Omaha, uh, which means the math doesn't quite add up that way. But uh, if indeed there's a faithless elector or more, as you posit, uh, and the Supreme Court has said this past term that states can punish or replace faithless electors, but that's not in every state. If it happens in a consequential state, uh, there could be a scenario without a majority, uh, in which case it goes to the House, and the House votes by state delegation. Uh, there are currently the the, the outgoing House, uh, the Republicans have a fairly comfortable majority of state delegations, not the overall majority, which the Democrats maintain. Uh, and even if the Republicans pick up seats, it looks like the the Democrats will have a safe majority there, but not necessarily in the in the House state delegations, although it's possible that's tied, in which case it goes to the Senate. And the Senate is looking like it no longer will be 50-50. It looks like uh, the Republicans will maintain a majority there to pick Uh, uh, in this case, Mike Pence in this scenario, and he would become the the acting president uh, as the vice president. Anyway, we're still far from that kind of result. We still have to let the lawyers uh, litigate each particular state before we worry about whether someone doesn't have a majority. Um, this is a moving target. Obviously, I put up my latest uh, uh, issue spotting post um, uh, right around 9am on on the day after election day on the Wednesday, it's already looking a little dated just because numbers have shifted. Uh, again, you're you're typically not in a recount gonna overcome a 10,000 20,000 uh, vote margin if it's In the hundreds, that could be significant. I mean, unless there's a box of votes missing somewhere, in which case the query is, is that a legitimate box of votes or did that, you know, get stuffed uh, uh, somehow, which which could be litigated. So the recounting uh, really has to be if it's something exceedingly narrow, not just less than 1% or even uh, a half a percent. Uh, And it looks like as the ballots are being counted, uh, as there's uh, fewer ballots outstanding, uh, there are fewer and fewer avenues to challenge. Unless, again, there's something systemic going on, the, uh, the box of ballots lost or found, uh, uh, different kinds of mail-in ballots being counted that shouldn't because they're not in their protective envelope sleeve or the signature doesn't match, or the way that state courts have interpreted that rule violates federal legal protection or what have you. Uh, so we'll see. Just because it's close, just because we might not even know the final results today or tomorrow – Uh, Doesn't mean that this is going to the Supreme Court or it ends with a judicial ruling. It just means that counting takes time and they want to get it right. And so, um, you know, patience and calm is what I would advise to everybody, including the candidates.
0: Now, in your view, would this uh, situation that we're in right now with some states that are counting votes, trying to figure it out in in a sort of uh, a very unusual election year, does the Electoral College as a system? improve or make worse the process that we're going through right now
1: well uh if it ends up that trump wins uh then it's uh looking likely like he would win again with uh having lost the popular vote now so the the drumbeat to to change the electoral college at least from democrats would uh would increase Um, but of course the electoral
0: college isn't about the winning the popular vote
1: that that's right the, the whole election would be run differently all of the both candidates major party candidates would spend all their time in the largest 10 cities in the country and especially the largest 5 so and and those uh aren't don't change unlike swing states which do change every you know if you look at 20 years ago, which the states that everyone was running in, they're slightly different map than now 20 years before that. So those do shift. And so you can't just say, well, if we ran under a popular vote, then Biden would have a clear win. Not, not, not at all. uh, but what it what it, what one additional uh, benefit to the electoral college by the way, is that it reduces the chances of voter fraud, which is of course of concern to President Trump among many other uh, Americans because to really uh, rig an election, you have to do it in several states and know ahead of time which states are going to be the the tipping points, rather than say, if it was just national popular vote, you go to a you know a heavily democratic precinct in L.A. or New York or Chicago and dump a bunch of ballots there, and and, and nobody is the wiser. Uh, so you know there there are benefits to having the Electoral College beyond simply uh, making sure that presidents have uh, broad support across the country and not in just specific uh, reasons or uh, regions or cities.
0: Ilya Shapiro directs the Robert A. Levy Center for Constitutional Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.